0: Hello everyone, I'm Christopher Linfont, and welcome to Nest Talk, the most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to review the win in Tennessee, we're going to check out where the Ravens are in the standings, and we'll look ahead to the Ravens and Saints game upcoming on this Sunday. So for those of you who did not watch the Ravens um, defeat the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee, um, it was a complete Shutout, and the Ravens held the Titans to 0.0 points all game. The Titans barely got over 100 yards. They had, I think, about 117 yards passing, uh, 50-some yards on the ground throughout the day. Um, But a lot of those passing statistics, um, those passing numbers, were taken away from the Titans because of the um, Ravens sacking the Titans. Um, An unbelievable amount. 11 sacks in the entire game. Zadarius Smith, um, led the, led the, the unit with three, um, he's probably gonna get paid big time this offseason, whether it's by the Ravens or somebody else, but he's having a tremendous season, um, Smith doing very, very well for the Ravens so far this year, but the Ravens set a franchise record with 11 sacks, The previous franchise record was eight, they tied it with, I'm sorry, they tied it, went to nine, then went up to 11, which is one short of tying the NFL record, um, didn't, get the NFL record but that's okay they still got 11 sacks which is unheard of it's very 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 rare it ever happens you probably see that once in 10 years so the Ravens really just dealt Mariota a a big blow Mariota could not pass the ball at all could barely stay in the pocket Uh, he only completed 10 passes on the day so less passes than sacks Um, a really bad situation for Marcus Mariota and those sacks just led the defense throughout the game um, you look at the rest of the way the defense played, um, they covered well in, in the receiving um, attack for the Titans. They didn't allow a lot of receptions, only 10 completions, as I mentioned. Uh, receivers were locked on pretty well by uh, Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey, Brandon Carr, uh, Tavon Young. The Ravens um, linebacker core and the, the secondary got in a little bit too, especially with the defensive line in the middle as well. They all got involved in the uh, preventing the running attack from doing any serious damage. Derrick Henry was held to 20-some yards th- on the day. Uh, not a very good day for him at all. <clears throat> um, and the Ravens' defense, just outstanding performance. Um, really, really shut down the Titans' um, offense, and they, they couldn't score at all. And this was all happening while the... Um, the Ravens' offense was was really gutting the Titans' defense. So the Ravens' offense scored on three out of eight drives. Um, when you discount the last drive, which was just essentially just a clock running exercise, it's three out of seven, which is about forty-two percent um, um, touchdown scoring per drive, which is a pretty good um, percentage for the Ravens and for any NFL team really. <clears throat> the Ravens finished drives more than they did uh, against Cleveland. That was a chief complaint of mine they were unable to finish drives but against the Titans they went on for very very long drives uh, the first drive went for nine minutes the other drive went for seven minutes 17 some play, uh, 17 plays 89 yards and another one was like 12 plays for for 90 yards whatever it was or 70 yards but the Ravens um, they just kept grinding kept chugging down the field getting in, in scoring range and putting in putting it through into the end zone. The Ravens started with uh, the year with 12 out of 12 efficiency in the red zone on scoring touchdowns and then they could not score a touchdown for the entire game against Cleveland and the entire um, second half and second quarter against the Steelers. Um, they could not score a touchdown. So it was great to see the Ravens come back and put th- together three great drives of scoring. Um, the first drive the Ravens scored they targeted Michael Crabtree uh, on three separate occasions, all of which were caught. Uh, Michael Crabtree looked much better than he did in Cleveland. Crabtree had so many drops in Cleveland, it ultimately cost the team a win, um, even dropping a, a, a game-winning touchdown pass if it was caught. But Crabtree came out first play, was targeted by Flacco for a big gain, was targeted again by Flacco down in the, the, the end zone. I'm sorry, the red zone. Um, and he gets down to the five yard line and then is targeted again by Flacco for a back shoulder pass in the end zone. It is caught for a touchdown. That puts the Ravens up 7-0. The Ravens get the ball back. Um, well, I should mention that, that was the 89-yard drive. That went for nine oh nine, Shaved off most of the first quarter. Um, so in the second quarter, the Ravens get the ball back. And they score again. This time in seven plays. For 52 yards and 2, 30, 53, um, two, two minutes, 53 seconds. Uh, highlight highlights of this drive. You have Willie Sneed. He, he on third down, catches a bullet from Flacco between three different guys um, for the first down. 11 yards, keeps the drive alive on third and nine. Then Flacco, later on in in the the drive, he throws deep to John Brown, who makes a jumping catch over a defender for 23 yards, and that would be his best play of the day. He only caught two passes, another one for just like three yards. Um, and then the Ravens would score a touchdown immediately after that play. Alex Collins took a snap and just ran for, straight for 13 yards right up in, into the gut um, and escaped a whole bunch of tacklers for the touchdown. Um, that put up the Ravens up to a uh, early lead. Um, Joe Flacco did throw one interception in the game. Um, I would not call this his fault, though. It was it was near the end of the third quarter, and he was looking for Willie Sneed um, and threw a tad bit high, hoping Willie Sneed could jump up for it. But Willie Sneed tipped it and dropped it down. And I think it was Kevin Byard K- jumped down for it and grabbed it. So it was a tip ball. You can't really blame Joe Flacco for that. Um, he still looked pretty, pretty good out there. And then um, in the start of the third quarter, the first drive, the Ravens went for another long drive. This time 12, 12 plays, 93 yards and 720, um, 7 minutes, 20 seconds. Uh, this drive was 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 capped by an Alex Collins two yard run. Lots of runs on this drive that resulted uh, in the touchdown. Most notably, Lamar Jackson got involved. He got a 22 yard run at one point. Um, almost hit the end zone. This was right before Alex Collins took it up the gut for, I'm sorry, on the right side for two yards. But um, Lamar Jackson looked really, really uh, great with the football in that play. Very close to the end zone. Just couldn't get the final block to get in. Overall, this Ravens offense performed very well. Um, Flacco finished the day with uh, some good good numbers. He finished 25 of 37 for 238 yards, one touchdown, and then the interception that wasn't really his fault. Alex Collins didn't rush very well, and this is a point we'll, we'll get into in a minute here. Um, he ran 19 times for 54 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Gus Edwards got involved. Um, the rookie from run- Rutgers ran ten times for 42 yards, mainly towards the end of the game. But he got involved and re- excelled in short-yardage situations, as he's a big-bodied back, and it's hard to bring him down. Um, but you have to see what you, you have to like what we've been seeing out of the receiving core. Uh, Willie Snead had the most receptions out of the entire group. Uh, seven receptions for 60 yards. Michael Crabtree, six receptions, 93 yards, and a touchdown. John Brown, the two receptions for 20, 28 yards. Um, John Brown had an okay day. Not his best day, but, he, you know, obviously he's been stellar for the Ravens. Um, but, you know, Michael Crabtree kind of took the reins on Sunday. Mark Andrews got a couple passes for 20 yards. Buck Allen is always getting some little checkdowns for th- for three of them for 18 yards. Chris Moore, three receptions, 12 yards. Nick Boyle, two receptions, seven yards. And that would be it for the entire day. Uh, Hayden Hurst was did not catch anything, although I believe he was targeted. Okay, so um, going back to the running game, um, NFL analyst on the NFL Network Brian Baldinger, um, really like him as an analyst. He a couple days ago put out some some fi- some film, him analyzing film of the Ravens running game, and he was just not happy with what he saw, specifically in the blocking scheme. And I took a look at it before I watched. Um, before I watched the film for the Ravens' uh, retrospective review on BaltimoreFeather.com and I found that Baldinger's complaints were pretty valid. Uh, The blocking scheme was not really efficient on Sunday and hasn't been efficient throughout the year. We're seeing Marty Mornwick put together an offense that that really can't block for Alex Collins. He's having too many little misdirection blocks. He's having trickery too much. Um, He'll put tight ends on guys, come around, um, and go on guys who should be, you know, held by the tackle. Or tackles should should go inside and the guards are coming outside. And it's just or or he's he's putting he's not putting enough blockers to where he's trying to do a pitch. And it's it's not like, oh well he doesn't want to make it look like you know, to make it not be, you know, so predictable, but it's every single time he's he's giving Alex Collins no room to run. He just Alex Collins simply doesn't have the numbers to back him up. He doesn't have the blockers. So when he gets in the huddle and sees that he's, you know, not going to have a good time um, running the ball, and this really is, is is a key issue for the Ravens here. They're they're decent up the middle when it comes to Gus Edwards. They they ran on an average of four point two yards per carry, but Alex Collins was under three yards a carry, um, and he's trying to do a lot more outside work than Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards will continue up the middle. The reason that Gus Edwards is doing doing well well besides his overall um, ability and and you know ability to push through blockers and get through the line is because the straightaway blocking is, is the Ravens' best asset. If you just match everybody up one-on-one on the offensive line and block straightaway, it's going to be easier for them instead of doing all these weird trick plays uh, in the blocking schemes where you where you try to have tight ends blocking Jarrell Casey, for instance, one-on-one. Instead of Marshall Yonda's lined up right next to him, but you br- sweep in Nick Boyle and put Nick Boyle on Jarrell Casey or Mark Andrews. Like, What's that going to do for you? put the put the guy on him who's gonna be able to block him and um and Marshall Yande, but that's not what the Ravens have been doing. That's not what Marty Mornwick has been doing. But Marty i will give him props. He's been calling a great game, um calling great games everywhere else except the running game hasn't really got off um got off here. Um I will say that if this this is just, you know, part of the scheme and this is how some somehow this is tied to the Ravens passing attack. I don't really think it is, but if it was, I would say that the Ravens should continue, you know, sacrifice the run game for the pass game at this point because the pass game is really leading them. Uh, but if we can fix this here and, and provide a more streamlined blocking pattern that allow Alex Collins to return to last year's form, then I don't know who's going to beat this team anymore because then the Ravens passing attack is going to be one of the better ones in the league. The running game would be one of the better ones in the league, and the defense is the best in the league hands down. If you get all of those those going, if you get the, the all three of those facets going for the Ravens, it's gonna be very difficult to beat them um, at any time this season. So we'll be looking to see what the Ravens can do to pick up the slack with Alex Collins. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the special teams. Not a whole lot. The Wolfpack obviously is always gonna be good. I don't want to repeat that over and over again every week unless there's something some issue with them. But Cyrus Jones. Um, he came in, gonna be his was his first game of the year with the Ravens, and and he did, did very well um, as the return man. He got some nice returns, um, yeah, some nice returns uh, for the Ravens. And then he also had some nice special teams plays where he was um, his awareness. He showed off his awareness very well. Was able to make some tackles and, and stop some uh, players from, from getting on the sideline. Um, Cyrus Jones, I really like what he's brought to the table so far, and then I, I also like that he's a cornerback, so this provides depth in the cornerback department where there's been some injuries of, uh, of late. So Cyrus Jones, very good addition for the Ravens uh, so far based on what we saw in Tennessee. Um, really like what he's going to bring to the table here, um, and hopefully he'll be the long-term solution for this Ravens uh, return Specialist position, which has not found somebody to take it over for the entire season so far. Okay, so with that win, the Ravens improved their record to four and two. Um, one of the better records in the NFL, and and of course the AFC as well. Um, the Ravens are tied with the Bengals for first place in the AFC North division. The Steelers and and Browns are right behind them. Uh, Steelers above the Browns as the Steelers are three and three two and one. The Browns are two three and one. Um, the Ravens are also just one game behind the AFC leader, Kansas City Chiefs. They're five and one. Ravens are four and two. So, um, what does this mean for the Ravens? Well, a lot of um, a lot of analysts are commonly ranking the Baltimore Ravens in the top ten of of power rankings. Uh, NFL's uh, NFL Networks. Elliot Harrison had them at seven, uh, above the Bengals and Steelers, also in the top ten. Um, and the Ravens right now are officially solidified. I would say as a top tier team based on what I've seen them do on the field. What the record is, I think they're a top ten team. I think they're going to continue to be a top ten team, and they're going to play well throughout the se- throughout the season. If they can keep up and-, and be one of the better teams in the AFC, they could get a first round bye. I predicted the Ravens to go 11 and 5 this year. Um, I think it's still very entirely possible they go 11 and 5, perhaps even 12. 12- and four, depending on how the Ravens play. They've got a difficult part of um, the schedule coming up here, uh, where they play the Saints next week, which we'll talk about, but then also the Panthers, who went to the playoffs last year. They're doing decently this year. The Steelers, again, and then the Bengals. Um, Four games are going to be difficult for the Ravens, but after that, it's the Raiders who are not doing very well, the Falcons who are not doing very well, the Chiefs who are outstanding. But then it's the Buccaneers who are not doing very well. The Chargers who are mediocre and the Browns who the Ravens hopefully will be able to beat at home in the last game of the year. So, if you assume that the Ravens win the games they should, being the Browns, the Buccaneers, the Falcons, and the Raiders, they're already at 8 wins. You, if they split the next upcoming 4, that's 10 wins. And if they get the Chargers win, that's 11. So, uh, very very possible, very, very possible to win... Um, win 11 and five potentially 12 and four if they can snag another win somewhere. In there, um. But the Ravens are going to be in the playoff hunt. They're in the playoff hunt right now. There's a number being floated that they have about they have about an 80 percent chance of making the playoffs. I don't know know exactly how that's calculated, um, or anything, but um, that's what 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 the percentage is for the Ravens right now. Um, I think they're still going to make the playoffs. I think they've started out very well on this season and I think um, that they do deserve to be a top 10 team right now. They're playing very well and if they can get the running game going, then it'll they'll be an even better team, but perhaps a uh, top 5 team. Okay. So I do want to talk a little bit about um, Alex Lewis who went down on Sunday. Um, Alex Lewis went down on Sunday with a neck injury. After the play, he went right to his knees and then right to the ground. Uh, didn't want to move at all, and the training staff came out, they got him in a stretcher, and they took him to the local hospital in Tennessee to be evaluated. Um, In case you have not been updated with that situation, Alex Collins was cleared from the hospital later that day. There is no damage to any nervous system or neck or anything like that, Um, and he's with the team. I think he was again evaluated, again cleared, um, and he may play on Sunday. So Alex Collins, I'm sorry, Alex Lewis, uh, offensive guard, second year player, out of Nebraska, uh, very very scary situation for him. On Sunday, you never want to see that happen, especially um, when when it when he's carted off in a stretcher. Um, it was was very scary, but I but um, he was able to move all his extremities, so that was a good sign um, right after he was carted off, and then he was cleared in the hospital. No no damage. Uh, no significant damage. I heard he had maybe some bruising or something, but that's not really a, a concern when, when your first one was whether or not he's going to be paralyzed. So he'll be okay. He'll He's back with the team um, whether he plays or not on Sunday. Um, that's to be decided later on. Um, and we'll, we'll keep you updated on whether or not that happens uh, or whether or not the Ravens plan to play him on Sunday. Okay, so the final segment today we're going to talk about is the Baltimore Ravens versus New Orleans Saints matchup this Sunday at 4 5 I'll be in the stadium for this one again. Um, So, brief overview here. The Saints are 4-1. They had their bye week um, this past week, and they've really been balling out. Um, The Saints had that stretch a few years ago of three years in a row where they went 7-9, and... um, and Sean Payton almost got himself fired for that but the New Orleans Saints came roaring roaring back last year with a great season and they're off to another great one this year. Their offense is spectacular. Drew Brees is on pace for 500 touchdowns on pace to break or he broke the um the the all-time passing statistic the all-time passing yardage he's on pace to go over 500 passing touchdowns. Uh he's at 499 right now. Um so Drew Brees probably will throw his 500th touch, touchdown against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and you can't really fault the Baltimore Ravens for letting up a touchdown on Drew Brees. He, he's just that good. Another story to watch out about Drew Brees. The Baltimore Ravens are the only team Drew Brees has never beaten. He's beaten every other team, including the Saints. But he's never beaten the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so we'll hope, we hope to see that... It continues that way. Uh, the Saints' season's gone a little bit like this. It started out in a rough two-game stretch early on. The Buccaneers, with Fitzmagic, beat them 48 to 40, really trouncing that Saints defense. The Browns almost beat them week two. Uh, if Zane Gonzalez didn't miss all those field goals, um, the Browns probably would have won. But the Saints were able to eke it out, 21 to 18. The Saints go into uh, against Atlanta in in Atlanta were able to defeat the Falcons in overtime, 43 to 37. Then they they took down the Giants handedly um, on the 30th of September, uh, 33-18. And then a couple weeks ago on the 10th uh, on Monday Night Football on um, the 8th of October, the Saints beat the Redskins 43 to 19 in a, a really outstanding game by the Saints. But now they're coming into Baltimore hoping to to get Drew Brees that first win against the Ravens. Um, and this is going to be a very difficult game for the Ravens because this is another fellow top ten team. I believe the New Orleans Saints could get a first round bye this year if they play their card right. They're one of the best teams in the i a- uh, I'm sorry, the NFC, um, and the Ravens are going to have a tough time with them. Look, their defense on the Saints is not really going to be that difficult for the Ravens to handle. They do have some good pieces like Cameron Jordan and Marshawn Lattimore, but it's overall just a mediocre defense. But the Saints' offense is really where it's at. The Ravens defense have a major test against the Saints offense. This is one of the most high-scoring, high-powered offenses in the league. You look at the points they scored. 48, 21, 43, 33, 43. The Ravens are going to have a difficult time um, playing with the Saints here. And they're going to have to to win in three key matchups to win this game overall. So the first matchup um, is Michael Thomas versus Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith has to lock down Michael Thomas. Um, Michael Thomas is really emerging as one of the premier uh, wide receivers in the National Football League. <clears throat> Drew Brees' is favorite target at this point, and Jimmy Smith will need to just make sure that Michael Thomas doesn't burn him deep, doesn't do a whole lot to to aid a Drew Brees. If if uh, Michael Thomas torches the Ravens' defense, then it's only going to give Drew Brees an easier time uh, moving the ball downfield, getting it into the end zone. The the New Orleans Saints also have other receivers um, that need to be watched out for, um, aside from, from Michael Thomas, who's really becoming one of the better receivers in the league. Um Tway Kron Smith, Cameron Meredith, Ted Ginn Jr. Um, they also have um, Austin Carr on this roster. You look at the tight ends, they've got Benjamin Watson, who was with the Ravens last year, and the year before that, uh, Dan Arnold and Josh Hill. Um, re- in in reality, um, the 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 New Orleans Saints and 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 Drew Brees will really focus on Michael Thomas. Um, Cameron Meredith is a good fixture on the re- on the uh, Saints offense, but he's not going to be targeted as much as Michael Thomas. Ted Ginn Jr. might get some passes here and there, and Benjamin Watson is going to be the the red zone threat. He's going to be the guy who's going to line up um, against, you know, smaller guys and try to make, make plays much like what he did with the Ravens last year. Okay. So as long as Jimmy, so if Jimmy Smith can shut down Michael Thomas, then it would have to be deferred to Benjamin Watson and Cameron Meredith more and spread the ball around to other receivers, um, making Drew Brees uncomfortable. His number one, if his number one receiver is, is, uh, negated from the game. um, so that'll help the Ravens if Jimmy Smith can shut him down. Uh, and then on the flip side, Michael Crabtree has got to got to do well against Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore is developing to want to be one of the better um, young cornerbacks in the um, National Football League. He is in concussion protocol, however, um, so it's not completely certain whether or not the Ravens will see him on Sunday. But if he is in the game, Michael Crabtree will have to do well against him. Uh, catch, catch the balls that come towards him, get the separation, and then make, of course, those contested catches. Be what Anquan Bolden was to this Ravens roster uh, in 2012-2011. Um, the Ravens see Michael Crabtree is the number one receiver on the roster. Um, John Brown, the deep threat, who also is really Flacco's favorite at this point. And, of course, Willie Snead, the slot guy who's going to do the, the, uh, the dirty plays. The, uh, dirty jobs for the Ravens, but Crabtree really should be the number one receiver. He's the most experienced. He's got the the he's the biggest out of all of them. He's gonna be able to match up well if he can do well against the young Marshawn Lattimore. Then the Ravens' offense will have a much easier time moving this ball down the field, especially if they can't rely on the running game, um, which is really uncertain to say the least. Um, and and finally, the the matchup that might be the most influential is is the Ravens defense defensive line versus the Saints offensive line. Uh, the Saints offensive line is is filled with players uh, like Ryan Ramchick, um who are going to be able to do some some nice blocking for Drew Brees. But the problem is um, with the Ravens defensive line, they have to put some pressure on Drew Brees. Drew Brees doesn't make a lot of mistakes, so they're going to have to force him to make some mistakes, force him to make some hurry throws, maybe when the receivers aren't ready to catch the ball, which results in some incompletions. If the Ravens' defensive line can get to Drew Brees, can get in his head, and make him do some things he shouldn't uh, be doing, then this Ravens' defense is going to prevail over the Saints' offense, which will ultimately make the Baltimore Ravens win the game. So, this is really the most important um, part. Of these three matchups, is the Ravens defensive line versus Saints offensive line. Edge rushers like Zayreus Smith, Terrell Suggs, they've got to get in there and make some plays. Um, inside guys, Brandon Williams, uh, Michael Pierce, they've got to be the ones to stuff Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram up the middle. Um, where where the um, well, Mark Ingram is going to be really the one to go up the middle. Alvin Kamara is going to be more of a passing back and then you know outside runs, but. But, but they're still going to have to get their hands on Mark Ingram, and then if Alvin Kamara comes their way, they've got to get their hands on him. Outside guys got to get their hands on Alvin Kamara or Mark Ingram. This is going to be an all-around, uh, all-hands-on-deck situation with the Ravens' defensive line against the Saints' offensive line. It's going to be tough. It's going to be gritty, but whoever can come out on top in this battle is going to have a significant edge in the game, and um, if the Ravens can pull it off, then they perhaps can pull off the game and get the, get the uh, much-needed win. If the Ravens get the win over... Um, New Orleans, they really solidify themselves as maybe the AFC's best team at that point. Of course, Kansas City might have something to to say about that, but maybe best all-around AFC team because Kansas City, you look at them and they're just an offense. They have no defense. They're just an offense centered around Patrick Mahomes. The Ravens, not so much. They're a defensive team with an offense. Um, And that'll be an interesting matchup down the line when the Ravens and Chiefs face off uh, in December. Okay, so that's all we have time for today. Um, I hope you found this podcast today very interesting, and we can't wait to see the Ravens play this Sunday. Hopefully they, they get the win. Make sure to, to uh, check out BaltimoreFeather.com for the ra- latest Ravens news, opinion blogs, etc. Um, my predictions will come out this Sunday morning um, before the Saints game, probably around 8.30, so check in. Then for the predictions against the Saints, you can also see my full review of the Ravens and Tennessee Titans game on Baltimorefeather.com as well. You can follow me at Chris Linfont or follow the podcast at Nest Talk on Twitter. Um, you can also follow the Baltimore Feather at Be More Feather on Twitter or just go on, on Facebook and like us there as either Nest Talk or Baltimore Feather. Just search us in the search bar. <clears throat> well, um, that's it for me today. I'm Chris Linfont signing out. Have a good day, everybody.